just a bit outside. Hello, welcome in. Week two is in the books. Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball. This is just a bit outside. Eight teams are one and one. One team is two and zero. Oh, another is zero oh and two. We are going to break down week two of this 2019 campaign and. Justin's off this week. We'll get into that as well. But joining me along for this stellar episode, Chris Dockhill, owner of the Wichita White Wolves. Chris, welcome into the big show, my friend. Thank you, Travis. Happy to be here. 2-0 and o you are. You must be ecstatic this week. Times are good. Times are good in the uh, castle of Winterfell. Blah, blah, blah. Reigning champions are ecstatic and the blahs are coming from owner of censored by the commish the one the only the often controversial blake mitchamore welcome into the show never controversial i'm not never (laughs) well gentlemen i appreciate you being on the show filling in justin just so you know when you listen back to this episode it takes two guys to fill in for you on just a bit outside we're going to get into the week two we'll look ahead to week three we're actually going to play a little game this week a a little real or fake we'll explain that as well but first we get to our first pitch we're ready for the opening pitch born winds and fires it's a strike and we're underway Well, I think, you know, we all need to stop down and show a little love and a little just support to our boy, Justin. Um, I don't know if everybody in this league knows, but Justin lost his dad this weekend. And uh, so he's going through a little bit of a rough patch. And Justin, we love you, man. And just uh, everybody in the league is uh, praying for you and you know, all I can say is that somebody's somebody that has been through it, it gets easier. I'm not going to say it ever gets easy, but it gets easier. Love you, man. Condolences, prayers, loves, and hugs to Justin, the loss of his father. Uh, as Blake said very well, uh, the entire league is with you, Justin. And now we head on to nonsense. That is the big story of week two. (laughs) Yes, absolute nonsense, because this is a podcast for a 10-team fantasy baseball league. And the big story of week two, we have two, count them, two 300-point teams in our first full week of 2019 action. Yes, one of the owners is on to this week's show. Wichita White Wolves hit the high mark at 344. And Royal Ruckus, with what I would call a big weekend, hitting 314 on the totals this week. Chris, let's start with the Wichita White Wolves, your club. You, um, you've been in control all week, and it was no surprise to see you go over 300, but are you surprised to be at 344 points as we record on a Sunday night? Well, this was a red letter game for yeah. the White Wolves. Uh, Army was on the schedule. Uh, pretty much expected a good 
army performance. So I knew that, um, I was going to need good pitching. Um, the pitching came out right out of the gate. Like you said, um, had a couple, uh, Jacob deGrom, Blake Snell, um, uh, right off the bat, just dominating performances, almost 30 points each. And then all of a sudden we hit a rough spot. Trey Turner went down and started to get a little bit worried that I was going to be feeling the loss with a hole in the lineup for the entire week. But a lot of guys picked it up. Manny Machado was kind of quiet in week one, but picked it up 30 points. Um, Jonathan VR, who's a fill in for Scooter Jeanette had a really nice week, 29 Cody Bellinger continues to rake. Um, and then just the pitching staff was solid across the board and just never really, uh, let army get back into it. So yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, very happy with the uh, performance. Blake, I know you love talking about Chris's Wichita White Wool, so I want to give you all the chance that you want right here. Tell me how great Chris did this week. Blah, blah, blah. Chris scored 300 <laughs> points again. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just you, Blake. <laughs> Chris to have a bad week. That's all I want to see. I want to, I want to, you know, Chris scores like 210 or something. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Just to, all cards on the table. When I saw Trey Turner went down, I'm like, oh, hey, okay, here's, here's a chink in the armor maybe, but nah. I'm looking right now, Bellinger, 34. Jonathan Villar, did you pick him up off the scrap heap? He was a uh, waiver wire pickup, yeah. yes. Yeah, 29 points, you know. There's some guy on his in his bullpen that pitches for San Diego that I've never even heard of that 17 and a half points. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, if you're going to um, be in the 300 point in a full week under our scoring system and Herodoyle Fantasy Baseball, that means not only your offense did well, but your pitching did well. And, you know, Wichita White Wolves, which was the story, I think, for the 2018 season as well, is incredibly balanced here. Chris is constructed. And yes, right, the waiver wire pickups that hit like that, uh, those are. Those are gems that you find, you hold on to. But the balance of this roster, and, and in, from my two cents from the losing side of this particular game, that pitching is something to be uh, to be fearful of because 50 and two-thirds total innings pitch from the Wichita White Wolves staff this week, and they only, that pitching staff assembled, only gave up 10 earned runs. I think that's just an incredible number that tells the tale of just of the talent that is there. And for me, you know, I expected the offense to do what the Wichita White Wolves offense does, but it's that pitching at 166 points, just 10 points shy of the hitting and coming in with only 10 earned runs, great performances on the relief side of things. A uh, huge Herman Marquez, one of the many extend, extended players in Major League Baseball over the last couple of weeks, comes through big. Um, it, it's that balance that I think is really going to be hard for teams to beat. And like you said, Blake, man, wouldn't it just be nice? I would l- have loved it if Wolves could have come up short with 210 this week. That would have been fantastic. And you, yeah, and you just brought up balance. And I will say this, even though I – you know, filled my role in the league and, and bashed Chris's team. And but I, what he has built is very impressive, and it is incredibly balanced from top to bottom. It's very impressive, and it's 
frustrating as hell to watch every week. Let's head. But props to you, Chris, for building a quite strong oh, team. Mark that. I appreciate it. I, you know, honestly, I think anybody on their best week looks good, you know, and um, I don't think 344 is going to be every week. But I also think that you are going to have weeks that you – play against the team that has, you know, their best week. And so you kind of take the wins where you can get them. And I mean, I had a four game losing streak right in the middle of last season where I started wondering, God, I don't know if this is going to end up happening. So, I mean, I think you, you take the wins early and um, you just uh, try to avoid being on the losing end. And, you know, I think Travis just kind of drew the short straw. And I think that is, that is a great point across the board. And one of the things that I personally like about head to head leagues like Harry Dole fantasy baseball is because week to week is going to be different. You just never know. And you know, all, uh, all the, the dice went your way this week, right? I mean, everything from pitching into the offense, even with Trey Turner uh, coming up injured this week. And, uh, but all the, all the other pieces kind of came in, you know, and, and Aiken's army, you know, my ball club against uh, one, two, is it six other teams this week? I would have won. Right. So, you know, 252 is just, it's not terrible. It's that 344 is just that incredible. Well, especially early in the season when a lot of teams aren't playing a full slate and you got, mm-hmm. you know, pitching, uh, pitching uh, rotations that are still kind of unsettled. And, you know, yeah, it's uh, uh, sometimes it's matchups. Sometimes it's, you know, who's playing at home, who's playing in cold weather, whose games are getting moved around. So, yeah, I think you, uh, you know, you chalk up as many wins as you can and you just keep on moving on. Let's look at this Royal Ruckus. It's nothing to sneeze at as well. 314 points against Ebony and Ivory's 193. And we'll talk more about the game specifically, which is just a shellacking from Royal Ruckus here. But let's focus in on the second 300-point team of the week. And... Blake, as you look at Royal Ruckus, you know, uh, there's several things that probably stand out to you, but what's what's one or two things that just kind of br- elevate how good a, a team Royal Ruckus is uh, in 2019 here? Well, I'm going to go a different route. I mean, I'm not going to – obviously, he put up 315, but if you take away the week that Mike Trout had, unfortunately, predominantly against the Rangers, and – Mike Clevenger, you're looking at a 224 to 193 game, which is a pretty, you know, you know, he still wins, but it's not dominant. So, I mean, he really was paced by those two guys. He had some other guys. I mean, Bregman had 24, Santana had 24 and a half. So he had some solid weeks, but those two outstanding weeks are what really, you know, took Luke from a modest win to a dominant one. Well, and those are a couple of names I will say to that point. You know, Trout, Clevenger, some of the more high-profile names on Luke's roster, especially Trout, who fantasy or in real life is undoubtedly the best baseball player on this planet. You you ne- don't necessarily expect 45 points every week, but Mike Trout better be be having good weeks every week because he's the best there is. And so – you know, you kind of anchor yourself, I think, if you're Royal Ruckus and players like that. And and when he has weeks that are just astronomical and just off the charts like he did this week, uh, that's just a plus. But uh, across the board, 
it's a fairly you know balanced attack and I know that's a phrase that probably all overused throughout this season but this is a pretty balanced team that saw an offensive explosion led by Mike Trout Chris what about you what do you think well, I kind of look more at Zach's side of this, and I would say, I guess the silver lining if you're Zach is that if you're going to drop a, a 193, <laughs> then maybe you'd rather face the guy who has a great week and you say, hey, maybe next week things even out and I score 250 and the guy I'm playing against scores 250 or something like that. Because, I mean, Zach just didn't stand a chance. 53 points out of his pitching staff. He had two guys in the negative category. He had one guy with a decent score, Noah Syndergaard, other than Steven Matz had two starts and mustered 23 and a half, which isn't really even that much to speak of. And his bullpen didn't do much. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those just ho-hum, you know, Christian Yelich still chugging along like an MVP, but there's really not much help around. And, um, you know, I think Zach's going to be prone to these kind of boom and bust. That's kind of been the story of his team. Yeah, two, uh, two scoring categories, Ebony and Ivory, was better at this week. Runs scored by three, three runs, and one base on ball better than Royal Ruckus. And then across the board from there, Royal Ruckus dominated in every scoring category, Um, especially on that pitching side, as you pointed out, Chris. It was uh, not even, um, you know, it it wasn't even close when when you look at the pitching side of things. It was just a... Like you said, a bust week on that side, and it did not allow the offensive output of Ebony and Ivory, which was at 140, nothing to sneeze at. It ought to be a competitive number moving forward, but it's going to be boom or bust, I think, more on that pitching side of things. And I think he recognized that. You know, I mean, you're talking about an owner who's out there trying to shop players to say, hey, can I – build up my pitching staff and, you know, maybe he's not getting the value he wants. But in the meantime, Christian Yelich keeps playing the way that he's playing. Maybe when he goes back and makes an offer again or starts fielding offers again, he's going to maybe get more for him the next time around because this looks legit. The second half of last year does not look like a fluke. So uh, wrapping up our big story, two teams in the 300s in week two, I'm curious, you know, more general than not, I guess, than specific here, but do you guys think we see 300-point teams more weeks than not, or is this kind of a every so often more flukish to see 300-something points in a week? Are we talking about teams other than Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, you want to take Wichita White Wolves out of the equation? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think I think what you saw this week is pretty. I think it's going to be par for the course. I think you might see two, maybe three a week. You know, those like Chris mentioned earlier when we were talking about his teams, those teams that all cylinders hit. But I don't. I mean, I'd be surprised if you know you see more than that each week. Just a couple handful. Well, I think the two start pitching is going to play a huge role because I mean you've got teams like Land's team for example if it lines up just right and he's got two start Max Scherzer and two start Aaron Nola and two start Garrett Cole going I mean those guys could be throwing for you know 50 points each on a good week and then all of a sudden 300 starts to look very gettable mm-hmm. and he's got to get healthy too um, and you know obviously Ruckus with Trout and you know obviously you know Travis your team with that offense I mean you're telling don't, me that don't be humble, know. Chris. Go ahead and talk about your team too. <laughs> uh, well, my team's 
done 300 <laughs> points a couple times. And I mean, we've talked about it. My pitching has been, I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. And I just hope it continues. And maybe some of that still continues to happen late in the season because those games kind of mean a little bit more than these games do. But, um, you know, legitimately, I think we've got six or seven teams that, you know, I think could be regularly flirting with that. And I think we've got another, you know, three or four teams that have the talent. Um, and some of it's just going to depend on some of these younger guys. I mean, uh, I think Blake's team's a good example. You know, he's got a lot of young guys that, you know, if we see Ozzie Albies do what he did last year and you've got, you know, Fernando Tatis, maybe he brings him up at some point, you know, Hoskins. I mean, he's got a lot of guys that, on any given week could uh, could definitely uh, hit those kind of numbers. I cannot hit curveball. Straight ball, I hit it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. Let's move along and break down the rest of week two. And, you know, it really big story part B is the fact that, you know, outside of two teams, you know, a 2-0 and team and an 0-2 team, there are eight teams in this league sitting at one and one the the competitiveness and the the level playing field i guess is so uh so predominant in our league right now and i think through yes a short week one and a full week two it shows just how competitive uh and balanced this league is overall so um, you know, Wichita White Wolves come out 2-0. Every team would have liked that. But, you know, the reality is most teams in our league are sitting at 1-1. One and one, And I, I would think those eight teams are going to be okay with that at this stage in the season. I think that, you know, when you look at the teams that kind of struggled out of the gate to kind of right the ship in week two and some of the teams that got off to – better starts than maybe they expected, maybe coming back down to earth. I mean, I think that we almost kind of hit the reset button after two weeks, you know, and say, here we are, everybody's still kind of bunched together and, you know, let's see who makes the right moves and let's see who uh, can, you know, adjust and, and uh, make the most of their lineup. And it's obviously incredibly early into a very long baseball season. So let's look at week two and see if we can, a continue overreaction just a little bit. And so we begin with the 0-2 team in Harry Doyle Fantasy Baseball. Beards of Glory taking on Los Tigres. Beards of Glory comes out on top on this one, 244 to 230. And Blake, as we look at this matchup in particular, I, I guess the big question for me would be, you know, how does Los Tigres come out of an 0-2 start? Does Justin continue to overreact, uh, which uh, Justin uh, does it for for comedic value, but I think he's also panicking a little bit at 0-2. Or is this just a, you know what, let's see how this plays out a little bit and he'll his, his this team can right the ship. Well, I'm going to answer in two ways. Um, yes, Justin continues to overreact because that's what he does, and he has been doing it all week long. Um, I can, my, as Justin likes to talk about when he's on here, I also have sources, and I can tell you that Justin has been react, overreacting about his team all week long. Now, do I think he needs to overreact? Absolutely not. I mean, if you look at his team, you know, What's struggling right now? I mean, I'm looking at looking at it is his pitching. I mean, he got 
nine and a half points from Walker Bueller. He got six points from Kukuchi. He got nine points from Paxton. He got 10 from Sale. He got negative one from Zach Wheeler. And, you know, Bueller's a young kid, but he's got a very high ceiling. Paxton is proven. Chris Sale is Chris Sale. You know, odds are that these guys are going to come around and be productive for Justin throughout the season. So, I don't think Justin need, uh, Justin is panicking, but I don't think he needs to by any means. I think his team is going to round into shape and be just fine, especially with his new superstar, Joey Gallo. Uh, that's the American League leader in walks, if I remember correctly. You're dang right it is. <laughs> I never thought I'd hear that sentence uttered by anyone on this planet. Chris, uh, let's look at the Beards of Glory side of things. They... They win this one, first victory of 2019. They're 1-1. They take out a, a, you know, a 2018 powerhouse by any measure. Um, what does this do for Beards of Glory, and, and is this a glimpse into this Beards of Glory team for 2019? Well, I think that Beards Glory, after the first week, it was fairly obvious that you know, better days were ahead. He's, he's got a good roster. You know, he's got, uh, we've been talking about balance. He's got a good pitching staff. He's got, you know, solid guys in the, uh, in the starting roles and the relief roles. He's got, you know, offensive uh, firepower, but he's also made some nice additions. I think he's added some guys to the roster that can help. I think he's got Kike Hernandez, who's playing really well. He just added Matt Boyd, um, who's been pitching really well for Detroit. And I think um, he's starting to see some of his, you know, bigger name guys, the, you know, Freddie Freeman, Javier Baez type caliber guys um, stepping up. I think Carlos Correa getting healthy can only help. So, you know, I think uh, Beards of Glory is going to be right in there. I think the first week was kind of more of an aberration. I think uh, I would expect to see more of, you know, this week, uh, you know, almost 250 and, you know, solid uh, balance on on both sides. Yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're going to win – and only get two points out of Justin Verlander. You you take you, you shake the dust off your uniform and say, "Okay, we got through with that one. Let's hope that never happens again." Right? Because normally, if you look down and see your ace of aces and Justin Verlander, in many ways with only two points, and you come out victor, uh, that's that's a that is a solid W for Beards of Glory. And I know. You know, momentum in fantasy world isn't real, but for fantasy momentum, for just being, you know, maybe for Colby feeling a little more confident about his ball club and, and the roster he has constructed, exactly to what you said, Chris, uh, is, okay, well, maybe my team is pretty good and, and not fall into the overreaction of a short week one. Well, and you look at your opponent, too. I mean, you look at Justin and you say, okay, he got 10 points out of Chris Sale and 9 points yep. out of James Paxton, arguably his two best pitchers. And then you look at Colby and he got 22 out of Strasburg and 2 out of Justin Verlander. So you got 24 against 19. My two aces outscored your two aces. So a lot of it just depends on what happens across the ledger. I mean, we were talking about our matchup. You know, it sucked that Trey Turner had negative 0.5, but then you look at across the way and your utility was Jose Peraza and he scored like five points. So yep. Sometimes it's just don't be so bad in one category relative to the guy you're playing against. Then you hang in there. And then, you know, obviously Freddie Freeman, 27 points, you know, guys like Boyd scoring 23, that really helps. And those are the, and those are the players that you give contracts to, you depend on. And over a 22 week season, you expect 
more good weeks than bad weeks, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I love that Jose Alvarado, for example, the the Tampa Bay closer. I mean, you watch that guy pitch, he's throwing hundred miles an hour and he had some pitch the other day that he said was one of the nastiest pitches that's ever been thrown mm-hmm. in a stat cast era or something insane like that. But then you watch it and the thing is like moving all yeah. over the place. And I mean, just guys like that. It's that, that was a nice find. Bolding Beavers 227 over censored by the commission at two hundred. Now this was a game that did not see stellar pitching on either side. And uh, really it came down to just whose bats were going to get them through week two. So Blake, let's start with you. You're censored by the commish. Tell us what, uh, you know, kind of what the expectation going into week two was and maybe some insight into how you see your team heading out of week two. Well, I mean, I look at it, I look at it from this standpoint. I mean, land put up 227 in my mind. If you want to, you, that should be a win every single week for whoever. If, if your opponent puts up 227, you should be able, if you want to be good in this league, you should be able to win. So it's incredibly frustrating from that standpoint that I couldn't take advantage of land in a week where Aaron Nola got him negative four and a half, or he got, you know, his offense was not great, but I guess was fairly well balanced. Um, from my standpoint, I mean, the name of the game is the same thing that I've been looking for. You know, Chris mentioned it was Zach. I struggle with the same thing. It's consistency. You know, I scored 183 points last week in a four-day week and managed 17 more points this week with three extra days. That's ridiculous. Uh, you know, Andrelton Simmons only got me six. He's going on the bench after this week. Um, and then it comes down to pitching. I mean, my pitching staff is, I would say, decent. You know, not great, but decent. But I, I'm not going to be able to be competitive if I get four and a half out of John Gray and 1.17 out of Corey Kluber each week. It's just not going to happen. So I've got to have more consistent pitching. I've got to have more consistent, you know, uh, offensive performance. Just I got to have consistency when you can and week out. Chris, you mentioned a, a few moments ago about Bolding Beavers getting healthy is, is 227, which I think Land would tell you is not the ideal for any week. That that kind of puts you in a, man, I really hope things go my way rather than being in control or closer to the 300 and all those things. Is is this a matter of health for Bolding Beavers and, and something he, he can look forward to, or is this an aberration and this is his season? Well, I think when you take Francisco Lindor out of any lineup, that creates a hole. I mean, we're talking about oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, one of the top one of the top five, you know, all around players in fantasy baseball. So that that definitely hurts. And you look a little bit, he had a little bit of um, bad luck with his lineup as far as, you know, he had Shane Bieber on the bench with 18 points and threw a really nice outing and Kevin Gosman with 21 points and had a really nice outing as well. And then you look at his starters and Aaron Nola minus four and a half. That's probably going to be the lowest point total. He puts up the entire season. That guy's a stud. And for a two start week for Max Scherzer, 24 points. That's not really what you would expect when the guy's probably averaging closer to 15 to 16 per outing. So you look at Land's team and you say he was probably about maybe 20, 25 points short, I would say, from what I would have expected in a week like this. That puts him at 250. That's pretty average. You add Lindor back, you know, you're going to probably tack on another 
another 10 to 15 points over a replacement guy. So I don't see, you know, that Lane has any reason to panic. I mean, obviously last year he started out in a big hole and fought his way back. So, I mean, I think he's better off than he was last year. Yeah, one and one is considerably better than 2018 for Bolding Beavers. And I think the Max Scherzer point is a good one. And let me add on to that point to the $35 man, right? When Max Scherzer, who you pay $35 to, uh, only comes up with shy of 24 points and two starts, that that has to be a disappointment uh, from from just a total you know contribution from your pitching staff standpoint. You don't sneeze at 24 points, but man, you're paying him $35. And yes, he struck out 16, but he gave up 15 hits over those 11 innings, and you know that kind of balances itself out. And you think, oh man. Uh, I'd like a little more out of my $35 guy. Well, here's the thing with Max Scherzer. And I've told Lan at the time, I, I liked the bid from the standpoint that the money that you have sitting in your account at the end of bidding, kind of like Justin was saying, the dead money. Um, I still think that there's things you can do with money in season, but if you need a pitcher and that's what you got to pay to get your pitcher, you went out and got your guy. So I love that about it. Mm-hmm. As far as justifying the contract, he can't. Statistically, he could have the best season in the history of Major League Baseball, and he's not going to return value enough to justify a $35 contract. But that's okay. Not everybody has to. And we're in a 10-team league, so you know the aces are that much more valuable because there's plenty of value out there in replacement. So you have to have guys that are so much better than what everybody else has because everybody has good players. You know, our league is not that deep. So from that standpoint, it's a, it's a good move. The dollars can never break down to say that, you know, he's worth $35, but if that's what it costs to get your guy, isn't it kind of the same discussion we had last year? I mean, Justin was looking for reasons to poke holes in my team and said, you know, you overpaid <laughs> for Nolan Arenado, which is fine. I mean, yeah, maybe he's not going to justify an $18 contract, but when you need steady production in your lineup yeah. and you know you're going to get it from a guy and a guy is a sh- close to a sure thing. I mean, there's nobody that thinks that Max Scherzer is going to finish outside of what the top five, 10 pitchers in baseball. Yep. I mean, that's there's value to that, you know, just a base of points. Well, and and the way you justify a three year, thirty five dollar contract is exactly how you justify paying Arenado and Machado in the same offseason. You win a championship. You you win well, sure. you win one bobblehead out of that, then yeah, you can take the down weeks and we're calling twenty-four points a down week, but you, you take that because you expect this pitcher, and I would even say Scherzer should be expected in the top three by the end of the season in your in as a pitcher in the fantasy world. You expect that to balance itself out over the season and put you in position for that bobblehead. Absolutely. Well, when you win everything looks good, right? Yeah. I mean like Right now we're looking at college basketball and anything Texas Tech is doing is like the greatest thing ever. Like all of a sudden everybody wants to play Mm -hmm. defense now because they're winning with defense. (laughs) So, I mean, you're looking at a team that, you know, if he wins it all this year, that's going to be the greatest contract we've ever seen. If he misses the playoffs, it's going to be the worst contract he's ever seen. At the end of the day, he's one out of 17 starters. So my only reason for saying I wouldn't ever go that high on somebody is just because if that one guy goes down, you are fighting with one big hand tied behind your back. You know, you're trying to make it work with a $95 roster now where everybody else has a $130 roster. That's a big challenge. 
But if the guy does what he's supposed to do, then, you know, every bit of it, he can make it, you know, he can make it, you know, worth, worth. Yeah. And point case would be a $20 Clayton Kershaw contract right there. So, yeah, I hope he comes back. All right, let's move on. Final game of week two, six shooters taking on the Van Buren boys, 289. Brady comes out on top here, one and one over Van Buren boys. First loss of 2019. Blake, break this game down for us. How did Brady win? I mean, again, I think the, the theme of the night has been balance. And I mean, you're looking at Brady's got a 27 point week in his bullpen, he's got uh, three starters over 26 points. Um, you know, and, then, and that's in his pitching. And then, I mean, his, you know, he had one spectacular week on offense. Anthony Rendon had 42, but he had a couple of guys in the 18 to 20 range. I mean, just top to bottom, Brady put up a, Brady's built a very, I think Brady's built a very, very solid team that's going to compete all year long, you know, as long as he doesn't catch a couple of a big injury or two. Brady's going to be hard to beat all year. The, the offense, you know, the transformation of the six-shooter offense from last season to this season is just incredible. And, you know, I know we've talked about Brady's uh, bids and how he fell into Rizzo and Stanton and Goldschmidt now. But, you know, I, I think that injection alone, and goes back to the conversation you have, whether it's Scherzer and other names, these big-name expected to be in the top 10 top 15 type players you can really rely on and i think this is a week that shows that you know there's there's no stanton in there this week obviously but those kinds of names and even at a nine and a half goldschmidt over the course of the season you're okay that's gonna that's not gonna be nine and a half most weeks right um these kinds of guys allow that opportunity for, for him to have other guys to hit on. And let me just say this, and then, Chris, I w- I'd like to get your thoughts here on the Van Buren boys, but we may look back at Brady's waiver wire pickup this week of Zach Eflin as the biggest waiver wire pickup of the season. Uh, pitcher for the Phillies, great two-start week this week at 33 points, but that may be the pitcher who benefits most from the revamped Philadelphia Phillies and could be a huge boost to the six-shooter starting uh, staff this season? Well, I think that um, as much as we've talked about the six-shooters and their bids and and having a great um, free agency bidding um, finish, I would say that the thing that impresses me most about Brady's team is the kind of reading between the lines. You mentioned Eflin. That's a great um, observation. The other guy I really like, Caleb mm. Smith. I mean, you're you're finding names here that um, people sort of in the fantasy industry are talking about a lot, but you have to you be paying attention. And yep. I, Brady looks like an, a manager right now that's doing his homework, and I think that pays off. It doesn't always pay off, but it's kind of cool when you know you've done a little bit more than just throw a dart and it works out. I think that um, he's getting rewarded for that. Um, on the Van Buren boys, um, I just, man, uh, it's, uh, it's really not that bad of a week. Um, he's got some, some real talent. Um, I, I had Max Muncy on my squad for a little while last year that just an easy guy to root for. 
Um, Mankata looks like he's finally coming into his own. George Springer uh, making good on the investment that they made in, in you know, that trade. Uh, Jose Barrios might be, you know, reaching that ace level. I mean, he's got so many players that are doing what you want to see. And then there's just those few holes. Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Rafael Devers, uh, Marcelo Zuna. They're just, just a few guys short, it looks like right now, from getting to the next level. And I will say I saw the Van Buren boys prize prospect Keston Hirora live and in person in Oklahoma City this week. And his two strikeouts and one base hit were just so encouraging for me to witness live. So I I hope they hold on, hold on to him. There it is. Week two of the 2019 season is in the books. Wichita White Wolves defeat Aikens Army 347 to 252. The Six Shooters topple the Van Buren boys. Beards of Glory come out on top on the 0-2 Los Tigres. Justin, now is the time to panic. And censored by the commish loses. Don't poke that bear. Say again. I said, don't poke that bear any more than already already is. Don't, he doesn't need anybody to tell him to panic. He's Guys already jerks. It. All right. Sorry, Justin. Don't worry about it. Censored by the commish loses miserably to Bolding Beavers, and Royal Ruckus defeats Ebony and Ivory. 314 to 193. That, my friends, is week two. And now we move into a little game. Gentlemen, this is called Real or Fake. And I don't know how well you know your minor league baseball teams, but we're going to find out tonight in this edition of real or fake here's what's going to happen is i'm going to give you a team name a minor league baseball team name and you're going to have to tell me is it real or is it fake so you ready to play yes. ready ready all right here we go uh gentlemen i want i want to know is this real or fake the biloxi shuckers I'll let Blake take that one. (laughs) The Biloxi Shuckers. Real or fake, Blake? I'm going to say fake. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's a real minor league baseball team. The Biloxi Shuckers. That's real. Oh, well. Oh, well. (laughs) All right, let's try this one. Uh, here we go. The Rocky Mountain Rocks. The Rocky Mountain Rocks. You give Chris the easy ones. It sounds like a beer I used to drink in college. <laughs> um, used to. I'm gonna, well, I've moved on past Rolling Rock because they're not on dollar special anymore. <laughs> um, I'm going to say fake. That sounds fake to me. That is correct. It is fake. Uh, the Rocky Mountain do have a minor league team, but it's the Rocky Mountain Vibes. So Rocky this Mountain game, Rocks. This game, fake. Is, uh, this game is rigged in Chris's favor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Blake. Okay, this may be the easiest of them all. Let's see if you can get this. Uh, 
the Modesto Nuts. The minor league baseball team Modesto Nuts. I want to say Frank, but I feel like you're setting me up. Isn't that where Didi played? <laughs> That's real. It is real. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Modesto Nuts. That's a real minor league baseball team. Check out their logo if you get a chance. It's just a couple of peanuts being, you know, friends. Let's try this one. Uh, the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Oh, man. Too good not to be true. I'm going to say that's a real team. That is real. Correct. Yes, a real minor league baseball team. That's another logo worth looking up if you have just a moment. All right, Blake. See if you can get this. Hartford Yard Goats. <laughs> the Hartford Yard Goats. Now taking the field, the Hartford Yard Goats. I'm going to say fake. No. <laughs> that is a real minor league baseball team. <laughs> I just played the I just played the percentages there. You've gone. Oh no! I just uh, I'm amused that there's actually yard goats as a mascot out there in this world. I, so. I want to be a member of the Nuts. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Can we save that for later? That's another podcast, I think. All right, let's see. Let's do let's do two more here, and then we'll move on to week three. But. I think this is up to Chris. Chris, the Salem Witches. Um, I'm fairly certain that's fake. That is fake. It's actually the Salem Red Sox. One of those original. Uh, just name them after the major league team here. So, uh, the Royals used to have a, uh, I think the Omaha Royals were an old Royals affiliate. All right, Blake, for all the money... It, this is this is this is it. You can win the game right here, Blake. The Reno Quickies. <laughs> what? It's a little awkward when they play against the Nuts. <laughs> is it real or fake? The Reno Quickies. That is fake, Travis. That is correct. Congratulations. That is a fake minor league baseball team. It's actually the Reno Aces. So uh, this would be way better. It would be, I think. So that is real or fake minor league baseball team edition. Thanks for playing, Chris. Thanks for playing, Blake. And congratulations on, I guess, winning. I don't know. All right, let's head into week three. That will be of Harry Dole Fantasy Baseball. We're going to preview these games, and I'm going to ask both of you for your stone-cold lock picks of the week. Who will win? Not your team, not your game, but outside of that, tell me who oh, will win. I know you'll pick your team every time if I don't put that caveat here. Week three will feature Van Buren boys visiting Aiken's Army. Los Tigres will be visiting Bolding Beavers. Ebony and Ivory will be taking on you, Blake, and censored by the commish. Royal Ruckus will look to continue its 300-plus point ways against Beards of Glory. 
And Chris's Wichita White Wolves will be going up against the young stud and Brady's six shooters. So, Blake, let's start with you. Game of the week. What's the game that piques your interest as we head into week three? Um, well, I think uh, you want game of the week now, not Stone Cold Lock of the Week? Let's go Where? game of the week. And silence your phone, and then you will know what the question was. <laughs> Sorry. Um, using my phone for, you know. Mm-hmm. Texting. We can uh, hear it. <laughs> uh, game of the week to me, looking at the schedule, is the Wichita White Wolves versus the Six Shooters because you have the league champ against the, uh, I'm going to say, through the first few weeks between – first couple weeks of the season and free agency, the new league darling and Brady also put up, you know, Brady put up 290 points last week without some of his big dogs really putting up a couple of putting up good weeks. So I think Brady is a team that if Chris was to continue those 300 point ways, Brady could compete with that and possibly, you know, be right in the mix. Chris, you look ahead to the week three. What's the game of the week in your view? I'm actually going to go another way. I'm going to say the Bolding Beavers and Los Tigris. I think uh, Justin trying to avoid the dreaded 0-3, and I think uh, Bolding Beavers having been in the cellar before and trying to avoid another rough 1-2 and two start, I think uh, it kind of starting to feel like an early must-win matchup. I think I will uh, go also in another direction. I'm going to choose Royal Ruckus and Beards of Glory. One, I want to see if Royal Ruckus is continuing its 2018 ways and being a team that's consistently at or close to or going above the 300-point mark for the week. But I also, on the flip side, want to see if Colby's Beards of Glory is for real here in 2019. And I know it's early and we're talking about our second full week, but can Beards of Glory pull off an upset and, again, build some of that fantasy momentum and believe in that roster a little bit and kind of maybe set himself on a, a little run, a winning streak here in the early 2019 campaign. But all the games look to be very competitive this week. And with eight of our teams in the league at one and one, every team is looking to stay, uh, you know, uh, get above 500 outside of one. And, and they're looking, and as you point out, Chris, a very important game for Los Tigres to get that first victory and, and right the ship, so to speak, for 2019. So, Blake, give me the pick of the week. Stay away from Censored by the Commission, Ebony and Ivory, but the other games. What's the team? When I look, listen to this here in six days, seven days ago, Blake was right. That team won it from start to finish. Well, first, Travis, um, I would like to make a public plea to land. Oh, somebody else needs to silence their cell phone. <laughs> teacher, teacher. Uh, <laughs> but back to, sorry, back, back to serious. <laughs> like to make a public plea to land uh land please for everybody in the league sanity um don't set a lineup this week and take an <laughs> L because nobody will be able to handle justin if his team goes over <laughs> he will you think he's panicking now just wait if he loses this week 
Now, trades galore. That said, now, with that being said, my stone cold lock of the week is for Land to defeat Justin for the moment. Land over Los Tigres in week three, sending Los Tigres to an 0 3 start to 2019. All right. Noted. Chris, outside of Wichita White Wolves and six shooters, what's your lock of the week? Who's going to win? The lock of the week is pretty clear. It is actually Aiken's Army with two-start Kyle Freeland, two-start Zach Grinke, two-start Miles Michaelis, and two-start Masahiro Tanaka anchoring a loaded pitching lineup. And I think the offense that came up a little bit short this week does more than enough to push Aiken's Army over 300. Where was that starting two starts last week? Come on, guys. It wouldn't have mattered. Wow. All right, I'll choose uh, Royal Ruckus as my Stone Cold Lock'em. Defeating Beards of Glory, I think Royal Ruckus, uh, we've seen this because, you know, in a great scheme of especially the last couple of seasons, Royal Ruckus has pretty much the same roster it has had, and we've we've seen this in them. When they go on winning streaks, they go on streaks, and when they're hot, they're hot, and I think Royal Ruckus is going to start 2019 on a little bit of a run here, especially after that 314 point. I think Mike Trout's not going to slow down, even though he won't be playing uh, the Rangers for just a little bit, but uh, I'm going to go Royal Ruckus at the end of week three. Last observations heading into the week three, Blake. Um, I want Justin to lose so he so he'll panic and go over. <laughs> that's that's. I think that's less of an observation and more of a of a dream or a hope. Um. Okay, that was <laughs> that was my. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's well said. I appreciate it, Chris. Last observations heading into week three. <laughs> I think the early slate thus far, we've only played a week and a half, but I think what we've seen so far tells us that we're going to be probably halfway through the season before the playoff picture starts to really take shape. I think we're going to have a lot of parity that's going to continue all the way through June and maybe even through the all-star break. And we're going to have a lot of teams fighting for those six spots. Yeah. The competitive balance of this league is, well, it's great. Uh, Every team is in it every week, anything could happen 0 and 2 1 and 1 2 and 0 it's so early in 2019 there's 20 more weeks of regular season baseball i love baseball for chris dockhill for blake mitchell moore i'm travis sakins wishing justin and his family the best we appreciate you listening to harry dole fantasy baseball's very own growing podcast at anchor.fm production. I'm Travis Akins. So long, everybody. Justin, I still love you, but I want you to lose.